The first story I want to tell you is about steel. And steel is something that lately I have started a journey on. You see, in 2000 and I believe 17, I started a journey that would take me somewhere I never thought I'd go. And it all started as all great adventures and journeys start by watching a YouTube video. Uh, the YouTube video I watched was by a kid, in, a British kid at the age of 25 named Alex Steele who made a living by teaching people how to make blacksmith tools and how to become a blacksmith. About a year after I started watching his videos, I thought I'd learnt everything and I was ready to start forging my own things. And I took a piece of steel, a small piece of steel about the size of a pen, a useless piece of steel that was rusty and was lying around. And I took it and I placed it into a forge with fire. And I heated that steel up until it was red hot. And when it was red hot, I pulled it out and I looked at it and I thought about what it could become. Something that was more than a rusty piece of steel. And I pulled it out and I grabbed a claw hammer and I started hitting the piece of steel, molding it into what I thought it could become, the potential I thought this piece of steel had. Hours of sweat and work later, I finally created my very first thing that I really made, well, one of them, the first one crumbled and died, but the second one was a beautiful leaf. One I keep to these days on my key ring and I found it is brilliant for opening boxes because it's a legal, legal thing I can carry around because it's not a knife. But my journey was not over. See, I started blacksmithing and I had a goal in mind and I wanted to go until I completed that goal. That goal was to make my own blacksmithing hammer. So I looked around and I found a bigger piece of steel and I put this piece of steel into the fire. And I heated this one up hotter than the other one had ever gotten. I hit it harder than I'd ever hit the other one. I put a hole in it. I started molding it into what I thought this piece of steel had the potential to become. Instead of just a paperweight, it now is a hammer. One of my first blacksmithing hammers I made. Something that was a paperweight, I now saw the potential to become a tool that I could use to create other things. You see, before starting blacksmithing, when I looked at a piece of steel like this, it was just a piece of rusty steel. Something that I'd put in the bin, a scrap. But now that I know and I've learnt about blacksmithing, I can create something like a leaf from what was scrap. I can take something that was a paperweight and make it a tool that is useful. I started to learn about the potential of steel. That's story number one. That's the story about steel. Now story number two. Marble. And not your tiny little marble you had as a kid and you played marbles with your friends if you even know how to do that these days. Over 500 years ago, there was a 
giant piece of marble. A piece of marble that was over five meters tall, and if you laid me in front of it, I wouldn't be able to reach from end to end. This piece of marble, not exactly this one, because they didn't have photos back in 500 years ago. However, a piece of marble like this one was huge. But this piece of marble had already been rejected twice by two professional sculptors in the field of sculpting that knew what they were doing and they looked at this piece of work and they said that this piece of marble has too many imperfections, it will crumble, the structural integrity will be gone and whatever I make out of it, it won't last long. There was a young man at the age of 26 that came along and looked at this piece of marble and with excitement in his heart, he saw the potential of what that marble could become. This 26-year-old, with excitement in his heart, accepted the challenge of, of sculpting this piece of marble. This 26-year-old worked for two years on this piece of marble working it in just the right places, spending time, hours. It is said that he slept sporadically. And when he did sleep, he slept in his clothes and his boots. And he ate rarely. But two years after working on this piece of marble, Michelangelo finally revealed Michelangelo's David. A beautiful piece of work. One that not only lasted for the time it was probably meant to, but 500 years later still stands. A piece of work like none other. A piece of work that some, others, some people say no other modern, ancient, Greek, Latin artwork is equal to in any respect with such just proportion, beauty and excellence did Michelangelo finish it. Michelangelo took a piece of marble that had been rejected, a piece of marble that was flawed, and he turned it into something that is extremely beautiful, down to the fact you can see the veins in the wrist, the character in the face. From head to toe, he carved what his vision of David was out of this piece of marble. I started a journey with steel to make a hammer, and I accomplished it. Just like Michelangelo, but he did a much bigger thing than I did. He started a journey to carve something out of marble, and two years later, he finished it. He saw the potential that that marble had. Now, that's story number one about steel, story number two about marble, and now we're on to story number three, humans. And we're going to look at some of the flaws in a specific human, a human called Simon, or better known, Peter. Peter was a fisherman from the Bible. Peter would go out day to day with his brother Andrew in their boat and they would throw nets over the side and they would haul in as many fish as they could get. 
and they would make a living of being in a sun, it being in the sun on a boat all day in their boat fishing. Peter was probably not a drama queen. He was probably a very hardy man with thick, thick skin on his hands, thick skin on his feet, and a hard-working man that was a sunburnt. And if he was black, he wasn't sunburnt because for some reason they don't burn. However, I want you to picture this. Peter, on a boat with his brother Andrew. And to help you, I have a picture of two men in a boat. It probably looks nothing like this, but just imagine it. Peter's in a boat with his brother Andrew and they're going out and they're throwing their nets over the side and a man comes along on the river and talks to them. This is where we're going to jump into the Bible and we're going to have a look at our first verse, Matthew 4, 18 to 22, on page 661. This is the moment that a man named Jesus comes along and asks Peter to be one of his disciples. Let's have a quick read from 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. This is the moment that Peter and Andrew became disciples of Jesus. And they were two of the first disciples of Jesus. And the disciples made a lot of mistakes in their time. But we're going to have a look at Peter and some of the failures and mistakes that Peter made in his lifetime. We're going to look at three. But I want you to remember who initiated this at the beginning. Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee and walking down the side of it, he saw two men in a boat and he said, Hey, you guys out there, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus came to Peter and Andrew and said, come, follow me. Jesus came to a man who would fail a number of times. We're going to jump into saying in Matthew, we're going to jump to page 670. Oh, I turned my clicker off. I tell other people off for that as a soundie, but... Now I'm the one that's doing it. It's page 670, and we're going to look at verses, uh, chapter 4, 14, verse 25 to 31. And I opened to the wrong one. One moment, sorry, I cut two of my fingers earlier in the week, and it's hard to open a Bible now. I'm just making excuses. Uh, verse 25. So, just to set the scene for this first one, Jesus had just stood there with his disciples on a mountainside and he had just fed 
5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And then he immediately sent his disciples out into the water and said, don't worry guys, I'll meet you out there. So the disciples went, and this is where we pick up from verse 25. It says, shortly after dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. After feeding 5,000 people, he walked on the lake to meet up with his disciples. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And this is what Peter says. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Peter had a goal in mind and he was on his way, walking on the water towards Jesus But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? There's a story about how Peter is walking on the water and is succeeding because he has his vision, he has his goal, but then he becomes afraid. He becomes scared of the wind and waves around him. He loses track of what's important. And Peter fails to continue to walk on water. He had little faith, and he got distracted, And he stopped focusing on Jesus and he failed to continue on walking on the water. We're going to jump through to a second story about one of Peter's failures. It's over in John 13, 4, verse 8. Don't lose Matthew, though, we'll be coming right back. John 13, verse 4, verse 8, on page 738. Now, to set this one, this is after Jesus and his disciples have spent many, many time, a lot of time together, seeing miracles, doing miracles, doing things that was unimaginable, and Jesus knows that it is coming to an end of his time on earth. He knows that he is about to be crucified, and he is about to leave earth. And this is one of, his la- one of his last dinners with his disciples. And this is what he does. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that it wrapped around him. When he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And at that point in time, Peter turned around and said, No, 
said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Never wash my feet. The Lord, then the Lord, then the Lord, then Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part in me. First, one we looked at, Peter failed to continue to walk on water. And at this point in time, Peter outright rejects Jesus washing his feet. He resists him. He says, no, you will never wash these feet. He then goes forward to be like, regret that conversation and turn around and be like, wash all of me. But he made that mistake. He made that failure in resisting the change, resisting the lesson that Jesus wanted to teach him. The third failure we're going to look at, or last one we're going to look at right now, is when Peter denies Jesus. But we're actually going to look at page 680, Matthew 26, verse 31 to 35. This is where Jesus predicts what's about to happen. And listen to what Peter says in reply. In verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Another time, Peter uses the word never. Then Jesus says, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. As some of you know, Peter goes forward that night forgetting that conversation and denies knowing, even knowing Jesus three times after just declaring that I will never, never say that I don't know you. I will never disown you. Later that night before the rooster crows, he goes, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. I have no affiliation to Jesus. Then he hears a rooster crow and he remembers that conversation. He realizes that he has just gone back on his word. And he breaks down in tears. Peter denied Jesus three times. You see, we've had a quick look at three times Peter failed. But Peter failed a lot more times. Peter failed in a lot more other times. Peter doesn't understand the parable, Matthew 15, 16. Peter and the other disciples misinterpret Jesus' word. Peter and the other disciples try to keep children away from Jesus. Peter speaks, oh, I'm sorry, Peter is filled with selfish ambition. 
Peter speaks in a holy moment. Peter speaks for Jesus. Peter resists the reason Jesus became human. Peter fails to understand, to stand by Jesus' side and falls asleep. Peter is completely overwhelmed by sin. And Peter pulls back from the Gentiles and Paul in fear. Peter was a failure and Peter was a broken man. But knowing this, I believe, Jesus was the man who stood on a beach and said, you two, come and follow me. He knew that taking on that challenge would be hard. He knew that Peter was not a perfect person. He knew that he was a failure and a broken man. But it didn't stop Jesus from using him. You see, Jesus saw a potential in Peter. And we're going to have a quick look at that potential on page 671, Matthew 16, 13 to 17. I promise you this is the last time I'm going to open your Bibles. It's all right. But we're going to read a moment when Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter, basically, and, and tells him that you are a foundation and that you, I will use you. Let's read verse 13 to 17. When Jesus came from the region of, now you have to I have to apologize, I have no idea how to pronounce these words. Uh, Sephsia and Philippi, they're probably wrong, and somebody is smirking out there knowing exactly how to pronounce it. But when he came from that region, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked them, what do you say I am? And Simon Peter turns around and answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you, that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of death will not overcome it. I tell you, Simon, that you are Peter, the name that means rock. I say that you are rock and on this rock, I will build my church. Peter was a failure. Peter was a broken man, and Jesus said, on you I will build my church. On this rock I will build my church. Jesus used a failure, a broken man, to build his church as a foundation stone. Peter would go forward and, and help with the other disciples Find, 
become a founder of the church, basically. Help build God's church. He used a failure and a broken man to build his church. See, God saw, God saw Peter's potential. He didn't see those failures. He knew they were there, but he saw what Peter could become. Not a fisherman. A fisherman is not what you were made for. You were made to be the rock of the church. And Peter resisted. Peter said no. And Peter lost his way along the way a couple of times. But God invested time. Jesus invested time and effort into molding Peter into something magnificent. Steel, marble, and humans have something in common, and it is that steel doesn't like to move. Steel is stubborn. Marble doesn't want to move. Marble is stubborn, and oh my gosh, humans are worse than both of them. We do not want to change. We do not want to move, and oh my goodness, we are stubborn. But God looks at us and says, you, I have and I can see the potential in each and every one of you. And I want to make you fantastic. I want to make you beautiful. I want to make you special. So let's do it. We're going to look into some questions later. But I just want you to think about a question before we get there. And the question is, how stubborn are you to the change that God wants to make in your life? God sees a beautiful picture. God sees your potential. How stubborn are you? I'm just going to close with a prayer. So if you bow your heads with me. Lord God, I want to thank you for every one of these fantastic people in this room. Lord, I pray for those that are away on holidays. May they be safe. Lord, I pray for those here on holidays or just here or visiting. May they be safe. Lord, I pray that we ask ourselves, are we being stubborn? Are we trying to resist the change, the positive change that you are trying to make in our lives? And I pray as we go forward that we remember that and that we think about it. Amen.